Having been brought up myself in a relatively wealthy uh, family in a village just outside of London, I'd been sheltered from the reality that many people are impoverished in so many ways. And it wasn't until I was 26 years old that I even spoke to anyone who you might be, uh, you might consider underprivileged or poor or in any serious need. And that abruptly changed when I worked for six months here in Nottingham for an organization which was known then as Macedon Trust. And uh, it's now changed its name to Framework, still going. And I coordinated the maintenance of a couple of dozen houses. We had about 100 residents. And uh, I worked with those residents, decorating the houses and sorting out and maintaining them. And as I spent my days working with them and driving around with them and talking with them, I realized what an incredibly sheltered life I had led up to that point. And my heart really broke as I heard their stories. And it was like, there but for the grace of God, I could have been there, you know. The, the stories of uh, growing up with abuse and poverty and violence and drugs and crime. And then Debbie and I lived in one of these houses just for two weeks to give one of these sort of house parents a rest. And we moved in, there were th four people in the house apart from us, and three of them were dangerously suicidal. So most nights we were up through the night trying to make sure no one killed themselves. And then a few weeks after that, the fourth person in the house who had been stable at the time did take her own life. And it's just, it was shocking to us, the realization there is so much pain and so much suffering very close to our doorstep. Maybe some of you even present tonight are going through some things that you think no one would really understand, but it really it did something in our heart. This was 32 years ago, and back then, uh, as far as we were aware, in Nottingham, um, churches were supporting those in need primarily through missions abroad. And so if you lived in another country, you might well get your needs met. But here locally in Nottingham, if you really were in desperate need, uh, certainly with people you might describe as the urban poor, or people in Nottingham in some of these situations, there wasn't so much involvement. And when I and other staff took some of these rough-looking youngsters to church, many of whom are young offenders, their perception was often that the church just wasn't really a place they could belong. They didn't feel they fit like... No one's really going to welcome me. I'm so different to these like, really nice, polished, middle-class people. And God did something in Debbie's heart and my heart during that year. And we resolved that if the Lord ever called us to lead a church, we were determined it should be one where everyone had the opportunity to get involved in ministering to those in need. And that it should be a place which would welcome people who found themselves in poverty, in need, or for whatever reason, found themselves on the edge of society. From the moment this church began serving people in need, caring for the hungry, the homeless, the lonely, the oppressed, has been part of who we are as a church. And it's contained within our vision statement that we wrote all that time ago, that we would worship God and communicate the gospel with compassion and generosity. It's in our vision statement because we believe that caring for those in need is part of what life with Jesus looks like. It's mentioned over two and a half thousand times in the Bible in some form, and the Gospels show us Jesus lived a compassionate life. He fed people who were hungry. He healed those who were ill. He welcomed those who the rest of society had rejected. 
even when it meant that his own reputation was at risk. And it's amazing, here was this guy, this teacher, incredibly attractive to the social outcasts of the day. They just loved, they flocked around him, even when the religious people told them to go away. Why? Because he was driven by compassion. And he invites us to imitate him, to care for those who are sick, to um, feed the hungry, to welcome those who the rest of society has forgotten about. And when we, wrote, we first wrote that vision statement 22 years ago, we couldn't have imagined the ways that God has grown and developed what we call our compassion ministries, both here in Nottingham and also in other countries now around the world. God has done so much, and we're really grateful to him. And we're grateful to all of you who have taken up God's invitation. You've invested your time and your resources into these various projects, showing God's love in practical ways. Tonight, we're going to remind ourselves why compassion is so important to us as a church and central to the kind of life that Jesus calls us to, and celebrate what God is doing with a number of videos and interviews with those involved in our compassion ministries here at Trent. So I'm now going to hand over to Ali Delaney, who is part of our staff team here at Trent, and she oversees Trent Compassion. So would you please welcome Ali. Thank you, John. Good evening. I am so excited to be here this evening and absolutely thrilled that we get to focus on compassion, which is something that is very dear to my heart. So, as John has already said, I'm Ali and I lead the Compassion Ministries here at Trent. I'm together with a wonderful team and loads of volunteers. And whilst it can be a challenge, it is also an incredible privilege. And I love that I get to play some small part in making a difference across our city and seeing lives changed. So I realize that some of you here tonight won't know who I am, so I thought I'd give you a little bit of background about me. I first got involved in Trent Compassion Ministry in 2010, just after I joined Trent. I hadn't long been in Nottingham, and I was really eager to do the stuff that I'd read about in the Bible. I wanted to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, and I was really excited and driven and wanted to get, um, wanted to, um, get involved practically and, and be Jesus' hands and feet in this city. So it didn't take me all that long before I signed up at the Arches, which is our practical resource center, just behind this building. So even though I knew that I wanted to get involved, I was still terrified. I had no idea whether I was cut out for compassion. And I managed to convince myself more than once that I just didn't have what it takes. Maybe some of you here feel the same way. But I have to say that there was an amazing team and volunteers um, at the Arches, and they were so welcoming and so friendly. And I found myself in a really safe and supportive environment where I was loved and encouraged and challenged too. I received so much more than I gave. The truth is, I still do. So as I've been preparing for this talk, I've been trying to work out when I became compassionate, which is a bit of a nonsense, really, because we're all created to be compassionate. So I guess my question is, when did it all click into place for me? 
And when, for me, did everything change? So as I look back, as a child, I was always very open and chatty. Um, I came from a very supportive and encouraging family, and I was unafraid of differences in race and culture and background, living circumstances. And I would easily engage with adults and children from all different walks of life. It was as if I didn't see kind of differences um, or didn't see people as any different. But I think as I moved into adulthood that things shifted. I began to focus on my professional career, my growing family, and if I'm honest, I started to focus on my material wealth. And I think over time, my heart, my heart became a little hardened, and I settled into a life of them and us, the haves and the have-nots. It's not that I was a nasty person, at least I don't think I was, it was just that I was focused on my family, my friends, my inner circle, if you like. And that went on for a good 15 years or so. I then hit a really difficult point in my life, when the bottom literally fell out of my world. Everything I'd clung to, everything I built, came crashing down. Days after, I found myself sitting in the church I went to at the time, and I was just sitting there, totally devastated, totally broken, head down, tears pouring down my face, full of shame. And I just sat there on one of those old-fashioned wooden pews. And as I was sat there, two people came, and they sat either side of me, really close. They were actually physically holding me up. They just sat there. They didn't say anything. But in that moment, I felt so loved, so cared for. It was the most tender expression of compassion I have ever seen, ever experienced. And even though it was a brutal, brutal season in my life, God used it in a powerful and a profound way. So for me, that was the trigger point. That was the point in my life when everything changed and I got to choose the kind of person I wanted to be, the kind of Jesus follower that I wanted to be. You see, up until that time, I'd pretty much been a, a fan of Jesus, like Nigel was talking to us about last week. But in that unwelcome season I found myself in, I was surrounded by compassionate people, people that loved me, people that cared for me, people that looked after me. And it literally changed my life. Do you know what I love about Trent? What attracted me here in the first place? I love that we are more than just a church that does compassion. We are a compassionate church, a body of people compelled by God's love who choose to care for those in need across our city and beyond. We long for people to meet and encounter Jesus and for him to transform lives. And we seek to demonstrate God's love through a number of different compassion ministries, including Trent Debt Advice and The Arches, Trent Justice, Supron, Prison Ministry, Overseas, and also our work with partner charities like Street Pastors. And all of those ministries I've mentioned, they're now collectively known as Trent Compassion. And just to give us all some context, 
maybe you don't, aren't aware that Nottingham is ranked the eighth most deprived district in the whole country. That means around 40% of the children living in our city live in workless or low-income households. And across Trent Compassion, we see the impact of that level of deprivation. Our volunteers have way too many conversations with people who are experiencing loss, homelessness, loneliness. And we've heard heartbreaking stories of people who have fallen on hard times due to relationship breakdown, due to ill health, domestic violence, substance abuse. The list goes on. And the thing is, for most of the people that we meet, they have to start again. Start again with nothing. No beds, no plates, sometimes no home. Little self-worth and often no self-belief. It's devastating. And the reality is, it's happening all around us. So what I want to look at today is this great passage in the Old Testament in Isaiah 58. This was a prophetic message to God's people to, to address the issue of compassion in their community over two and a half thousand years ago. You see, they were a religious people who were doing all the right sacrifices, all the right religious rituals, but they weren't actually looking after the poor or the vulnerable in their community. Their actions weren't linked to their hearts, and God challenges them and goes on to explain the kind of actions and sacrifices he's looking for. So we'll pick it up in chapter 58, verse 6. And it says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free? and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. I find it a hugely challenging passage. And it calls for all of us to step out of our comfort zones and do something. So as we look at what it means for us today, I want to focus on three key words that I believe the passage points towards. Care, act, and change. For me, the first two are inseparable because as we've just read in the passage from Isaiah, God doesn't want actions that are empty, that are absent from care. Nor does he want pity without action. God wants us, all of us, to share our resources with those in need, to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked. We are called to care and then to act. And as we act, we care. So, let's have a glimpse of what it looks like to care and act across Trent Compassion, demonstrating God's love to those in our city. Oh! Here at 
Trent. We are more than a church that does compassion. We are a compassionate people compelled by the love of God to participate in making a difference throughout our city. Oh, thanks, Mike. Let's catch a glimpse of all that Jesus is doing in and through us across Nottingham. All right, lads. Every week, the Archers team make deliveries of furniture and household items to people in urgent need, a way of practically demonstrating God's love. All right, thanks very much. Wait, oi, look, what? Hold on a minute. Oh. The living room offers our visitors the opportunities to build new relationships and to be part of a varied number of groups where they can develop community and friendship. TVA offers debt advice and counselling to everyone. No matter how big or small your debt is, or whatever your background and circumstances are, they're here to help. And it's all completely free and confidential. Archers Inspires Change is a life skills, befriending and mentoring programme, enabling each participant to find a more fulfilling life that could lead to employment. More importantly, it enables each participant to unlock their full potential. Ooh, bargain! Some of the items that come through the arches find their way here, to the attic. Those please. They are then sold on to the public to generate more income back into the arches. £5, please. Thank you. Thank you. No need for wrapping. All right, have a lovely day. Cheers, bye. Every Friday night, a dedicated soup run team and small groups head out to the city centre to give out food and warm drinks to people in need, many of whom are sleeping rough. Also in the centre of our city, on a Friday and Saturday night, street pastors go out to care for, support and listen to people on a night out. But this is so much more than a flip-flops and lollipops ministry. Although I could really do with a pair of flip-flops right now. So impractical. But at the heart of all this are the volunteers giving up their time. None of this would be possible without them. For them, it's been a place of healing, learning and growing and having the opportunity to be needed and known. amazing what we get to do but of course it's not just about our wonderful compassion ministries and the 350 plus volunteers who show up and serve week in and week out amazing though you all are as it says in Isaiah it's for all of us to be involved everyone gets to play we are all invited to respond to care and to act and that could look different for all of us it could be shopping for an elderly neighbour or doing all the washing up for your housemates, having coffee with a friend in distress or maybe caring for a, a relative. Or it could be you're a foster carer or an adoptive parent or working with children or adults with additional needs or maybe a healthcare professional. Whether it's via Trent Compassion or not, it's all about us as a people, as a church, obediently and willingly, standing alongside, caring and acting, loving and responding, just as Jesus did. 
And when we care and when we act, we'll see lives change. As it was for me that day in church, when two people chose to care and act. They could see how distressed I was, so they came and sat next to me. They said nothing, but their actions were so powerful. In that moment, all they had to do was be present, and it spoke volumes. My mood was lifted, my perspective was challenged, and I found hope that day, and I was changed. You see, Jesus so loves to see lives changed. And we, all of us, we get to be a part of that. Whether we're serving in Trent Compassion or helping a friend or a neighbor or a colleague in need, there really is nothing more worthwhile. So let us now hear three stories of people changed through one of our Compassion Ministries. Hi, I'm Pam. I've been coming to Trent for about seven years and um, I heard about Trent Debt Advice a couple of years ago because I was in uh, quite a financial mess and my situation was I have extra family members living with me and I was getting into quite deep in debt and I was owing a lot of rent and it was getting scary. I was getting letters from the council. So when I approached Trent Debt Advice, I felt scared, a bit scared, um, but also relieved because I thought that I was going to get this sorted. Um, I didn't feel judged or anything, which was one of my initial fears. Um, so I felt quite relieved, yeah. TDA helped by listening, um, showing me other ways of dealing with my money and my finances. I realised that I was trying to do things on my own before and still do things my own way. And although I was advised not to, I still did it my own way. And God was prompting me then to say, no, you need to do it this way. Um, so I felt that God was really in, in, that, in the room at that time. I would recommend TDA to anybody that has any kind of financial problems um, because it is such a relief just knowing that somebody's there that will listen, that can understand, because a lot of people have gone through the same thing that are helping. Um, and I think it is such a rewarding thing to have yourself, yeah. It's just the reassurance and the accountability as well. So my name's Dave, um, and uh, of course I come to Trent Vineyard. I lead a team uh, um, for a prison ministry in a women's prison, uh, which is exciting stuff. Um, we uh, go once a month to this women's prison and um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we have a team of people that pray uh, when we go in and there was a real sense from a number of people that God was going to, to do something, that he was going to meet uh, with the women quite intimately and um, this came from a number of different people that were praying and there was a real sense amongst the team that God was going to do something quite significant as well so that was quite a special prayer time in anticipation of what we thought God might do and sure enough he did and what happened um, uh, in the meeting there was a, a lovely lady um, that frequently comes to the meetings uh, that came in with, with chronic back pain. She was doubled over in pain, uh, with so much pain, and um, she sat through the service uh, and at the end uh, we asked the ladies if there was something that we could pray for for them. And she got up and came forward for prayer, obviously for her back. 
and um, someone on my team um, prayed, just a very simple prayer, um, um, but it was uh, just enough for the Holy Spirit to move. And what happened after that was um, quite spectacular actually in terms of what we saw, um, because this lady, when she um, was prayed for, her back was healed. Uh, and that was just um, so amazing to see. And there was a real sense of, um, uh, it was genuine, it was authentic, it was real. It wasn't contrived in any way. It, it was a, a display of, I've actually been healed. This is actually real. And to see that was just incredible, absolutely incredible. And so that's just one story where, you know, God has manifested himself in such an incredible way and brought healing to the ladies in the prison. My name's Linda. I've been coming to Trent for a few years and my son Joseph's on the ACE programme. So Joe's um, been on a five-year college course. Uh, he has autism and we weren't sure how to get him into some form of employment, whether it be voluntary or paid work. I've wanted to do some voluntary work in my community myself. So after hearing about the ACE programme through Linda, we thought what a great, great way for, for us both to be able to do some voluntary work and pick up some life skills. So Joe's on the Archers Inspiring Change programme, which is a mentoring and befriending programme. It encourages and helps them into some form of employment. As, as Joe's mum, I, I worry about his future. So the compassion the staff have shown and the way he's been accepted as he is onto the ACE programme, I've just seen a difference in it. It's been, been amazing. So Joe's always wanted to learn Mandarin. Uh, he, he put this on his dream board and very quickly this has been followed through. He's been to the Mandarin Sunday service at Tren and he's also been going to the Mandarin men's small group. And what's more amazing is he's been on a social with them, which is something he hasn't done for a long time. I've noticed a lot of change in Joe since he's been on the ACE programme. When he's coming to the Archers now to do his voluntary work, he's coming with a willingness and a bit more of an excitement. He's looking forward to going to the men's group. He's looking forward to going to the Mandarin group on a Sunday. He's, there's, there's a difference in his eyes when I'm picking him up. There's a happiness in his eyes and I've not seen that since he was a young boy. incredible to see and hear such wonderful stories of lives changed, some in little ways and others in big ways. Um, for Pam, it was dramatic and it meant freedom for debt from debt, but for Joe, who is part of our Archers Inspiring Change program, the change may appear less significant to us on the outside, but for those who know him and the challenges he faces, um, his experience of compassion, finding friendship and a place to belong, has been life-changing for him. And it's, and it's an absolute, absolute joy to see him now volunteering on the shop floor at the Arches, where he often has a smile on his face and he's absolutely thriving. You see, when we care and act, lives change. And here's the amazing thing. It's not just those we serve whose lives are changed. We are changed too. 
As we care, as we act, we see people change, and we are changed. It's what it says in Isaiah chapter 58. So let's take another look. I'll pick it up in chapter, in, sorry, in verse 8. And it says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will, will, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. I think it's pretty clear when we read this chapter that the Lord loves compassion and we can see that in it he works in this passage we can see that he works through it as we are compassionate it changes the lives of those that we serve it changes our city and it changes us we learn and we grow and hopefully in and through it all we become more like Jesus my hope is that for some of you as you're sitting here, you're feeling stirred, stirred to look for ways to be more compassionate in your own lives, in your own communities. And maybe for others, you're wondering how you can get more involved in Trent Compassion. So I think now would be a great time to hear from one of our Compassion volunteers. So please welcome Ian Baxter up onto the stage. Okay. Welcome Good evening. Ian. Good evening. Welcome, Ian. So, how long have you been volunteering in Compassion, Ian? It's about three and a half years uh, since uh, I first got involved. And I was sat over there, I remember, <laughs> and I met you for the first time. And uh, you said you were involved with the Archers. And I, I started one of those sentences. And by, by, the, by the end of the sentence, I realized I'd made a commitment. So I said uh, something like, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been thinking about getting involved in the Archers. And by the end of the sentence, there I was, involved in the Archers. So, yeah. Signed you up there and then, yeah, pretty much, absolutely. Wasn't it? Yeah. And can you tell us, Ian, what do you do at the Archers? So I'm what's called a project worker. Um, I work as part of a team of people who see the clients at the Archers. And, uh, you know, many of those people have been uh, made homeless, so they've been recently rehomed. They might be refugees, they might be asylum seekers, they might be uh, women fleeing domestic violence, that kind of thing. Uh, and my job is to um, sort out some practical provision for them, uh, to um, find some furniture from our stock, maybe help them get some household items, organize a delivery. Um, and in the course of that, um, hopefully I get the chance to understand something about their story and to pray for them and their families. So uh, it's a wonderful thing to do, honestly. 
And Ian, I know that what you do and what the rest of the team do has a huge impact on those that visit the arches um, for support. But can you tell us, um, how has it changed you, Ian? How has it impacted or changed your perspective of people? Well, you know, it is an enormous challenge, isn't it? To somebody who has a comfortable home and a secure family life, to meet people who don't have that. And I've met some amazing people in my time at the Archers. I've met a university professor from Iraq, for example. I met a, a guy that used to run a gym in Tehran. Um, again, came over as uh, an asylum seeker. Um, I've met, uh, only yesterday actually, I met a couple of uh, engineers from Iran. They were a Christian family persecuted in Iran and have mm -hmm. come to the UK. Um, I met a Gurkha soldier, and he was busy thanking me for what I'd managed to do for him. But uh, it was amazing, because I got the opportunity to thank him for his service to our country, which I loved doing. And I also met uh, an agoraphobic lady. And uh, on that day, we didn't have much furniture in our stock, and I felt like I'd let her down. And what she said to me was really amazing. She said, well... Actually, I got up this morning and thought, I probably can't even make it into the arches. I can't even be in that room. And the welcome from the team and the care that was shown to her, even though we couldn't sort out the main thing that we're there to do, which is practical provision, um, you know, had really impacted her. So, you know, I, I do think it's, uh, it's a big thing, isn't it? That in our city, there are people who are sleeping rough. There are people who I've met that are sleeping on a floor, for example, who have literally no furniture, nothing. And um, to get the opportunity to come alongside them and to realize just how, well, it makes you realize just how fragile life is. All of us, I think, are only a few steps away from being in that situation. If, um, God forbid, our country was in difficulty like Iran or Iraq, or if we had to flee domestic violence, or if we lost our jobs, suffered from addiction, had a financial problem, had a family breakdown, then it doesn't take much for people to get into that situation. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's very impactful. Mm. Very true, and very true. So can you tell us how serving in Compassion Ian has impacted your relationship with Jesus? Yeah, well, um, I think lesson number one of Christianity is um, that we are called to love our neighbor. And um, the thing is that I didn't really, I didn't really know what that meant <laughs> for, for about 20 years of being a Christian, probably, um, because uh, beyond really loving my family, caring for my friends, trying to be a generally sort of helpful guy around the town, as it were, um, and giving a few donations to charity from time to time. I didn't really know what it meant. And when I got involved in the compassion ministry, Jesus really challenged me about loving my neighbor, loving people that I didn't know, people from a different background, people from a different country, people from a different circumstance to me. And uh, yeah, that, that really brought out change. I mean, I, think, I would say that Jesus has been in this all the time. He was in it um, on that day when I first met you. Uh, he was in it on days when I didn't, you know, I woke up and I thought, oh, I don't really want to go to the arches this morning. Sometimes that happened. 
Um, he's in it uh, on the days when the IT has got the better of me. And funnily enough, there was one of those on Saturday, actually. Um, but uh, so they still happen. So, um, and he's been in it on days when I have not necessarily had the confidence to pray for people and just, you know, been unsure whether I could do that. And, and in the end, done it and, uh, and been blessed by it. But, but the biggest thing, really, that Jesus has challenged me with and taught me is that each of us are created in the image of God. And each person, whatever their circumstances, whatever they've done, where they've come from, mm -hmm. uh, whatever their situation, are deserving of our compassion. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we're called to, to provide mm -hmm. it, to give that compassion. That is at the core of our faith. Mm. Wow, couldn't have said it better myself. So lastly, what would you say to anyone who's thinking about getting involved in one of our compassion ministries? Honestly, just go for it, guys. Just go for it. Um, first of all, you don't have to be super compassionate. I definitely was not super compassionate when I, uh, as I said, got to the end of a sentence and realized I'd signed myself up for something that I didn't know what I was signing myself up for. Um, so you don't have to be super compassionate. Uh, you don't need any qualifications. Um, I was supremely unqualified for what I now do. Uh, some would say I'm still unqualified three and a half years later, but I certainly was then. And, um, uh, you know, we have roles in Trent Compassion that suit every person. So, you know, I think just get, go for it. Um, but then the big thing, really, the big reason to get involved is for my money, compassion is like a, a muscle. If you don't exercise it, then it will not grow and develop. And so, you know, my feeling is that um, it's not something you can read about in a book, even a book as wonderful as the Bible, and then, you know, be changed by it. The way to become more compassionate, if that is your desire, and I believe it is our calling, um, but the way to become uh, more compassionate, I would say the only way is to actually step out in faith and go for it. Uh, go out of your comfort zone, meet people who are different from you, be challenged by their circumstances, ask for Jesus' help, and then change will happen. Change for them and also change for you. And it is, for everyone, a change for the better. Mm. Oh, wow, thank you so much, Ian. I would just like to say, please don't be afraid of sitting next to me in church, although I will sign you up. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just love that picture of a compassion muscle, and I think it's so true. You know, for me, I was terrified when I first thought about getting involved at the Arches, um, but it's kind of one of those things you just have to step in it, and step into it, and it's the stepping into it where I think it's the going. They often say that when you step into a situation, then compassion follows. So as we've already seen and heard, there are many ways you can get involved. Um, there are lots of different compassion ministries here at Trent. And if you're interested in finding out more, we have a Trent compassion stand at the back of the auditorium. And so do head over there after the service, just quickly before you go and get your s'mores outside. Um, and do, yeah, and um, there'll be members of the team there who'd be delighted to chat with you and potentially sign you up. And we've also... Um, produce this little flyer that gives you a bit of an idea of all the different uh, compassion ministries that we're involved in, and they're available either at the Connect desk, on the Trent Compassion stand, or at the exits on your way out. 
So again, please do pick one of those up and follow the link on the back and, and then we can um, have a chat with you and get you signed up. So as I finish, I just want to take one last look at the diagram. And as we reflect on what it says in Isaiah 58, I kind of just really want to emphasize that, you know, I stand here absolutely committed and believing that God is calling all of us to participate in this virtuous circle, to care and to act. And as we do so, lives will be changed. We will be changed. And ultimately, as we all play our part collectively, our city will be changed. I can't stand here and tell you that it's going to be easy or tell you that it will cost you nothing, but I can tell you that it's worth it. Shall we stand? Mm -hmm.